What's going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of the Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. What a week. What a weekend. A lot is going on in the world of pro wrestling. And, of course, we've got your updates and news for you right here. First and foremost, as always, thank you for your continued support of all things connected to the Faction, be it on the socials at The Faction Show, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or if you are subscribed to our podcast right here we greatly appreciate it we could not do what we do without you so thank you so much for your continued support thank you for all of the ways in which you're connected to us and thank you for taking the time to listen we really really appreciate it so there's a lot of news to get to let's first start with smackdown smackdown this week took place and drew in 2.047 million viewers which is up from last week's 1.909 million viewers so they brought in an additional 130 almost 140,000 viewers which is exciting to see and at no point during this week's episode of SmackDown were the ratings below 2 million. That is of great importance. I think 2 million really has to be kind of the base for which SmackDown on Fox operates. And so congratulations to them. A lot of building towards SummerSlam, including making it official that we see the WrestleMania rematch of Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. And I'll take a minute to talk about that in a second. We also started seeing more buildup surrounding, of course, Edge and Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, John Cena, and then where Finn Balor will fit in all of this. It's all getting very, very interesting. But going back to Sasha versus Bianca. So part of the problem that a lot of people had around WrestleMania with this particular match was they felt like there wasn't really a quote unquote story. It was as though, OK, you've got the Royal Rumble winner picking their champion of choice. The two weren't really ever at odds for real, for real. You know, they had the tag team that they tried to do that didn't exactly work. We've kind of seen that before. Thankfully, the match delivered far better than the road to the match, and Sasha has kind of gone off into the sunset, allowing Bianca the opportunity to be champion really without a Sasha conversation happening. Bianca has taken on some pretty impressive competition, including, of course, Bailey, who is one of the four horsewomen, and we never really got to see the end of the Bailey Bianca story because of an injury that happened to Bailey. But those matches were really great, and I thought that they really helped to establish Bianca's championship reign. Well, Sasha came back a couple of weeks ago to a lot of our surprises, and in no time, both befriended and then turned on Bianca Belair. There is a story here, and I think the story is being told much, much better than the original match. There's going to be a much larger audience this time for this one. It is clear that the people are very much behind Bianca. They're also very interested in Sasha as well, but we finally have a good versus evil kind of story that's being told. And so I think we're really going to get to see the best of both Sasha and Bianca in this match. And I'm excited to see what happens. Let's not forget that it was a heel Sasha that really helped to make Bailey, right? Uh, I think Sasha is really 
underrated, and I'll say that, when people talk about the four horsewomen, they talk a lot about, of course, Charlotte Flair, they talk about Becky Lynch, but Sasha does not get the credit that she deserves, neither does Bailey, quite frankly. If we're honest, that gives me an idea. I hope when Bailey comes back, there can be perhaps a battle of the horsewomen, Sasha and Bailey versus Charlotte and Becky. That would be interesting to me, and that would be interesting just because of the credit that has been given to some and not all. I just think that'd be interesting, but we're a ways away from that. Right now, the focus for SummerSlam is on Bianca versus Sasha, and I got to tell you, I think the SummerSlam card is really being beefed up to be one of the best cards of the last couple of years for WWE. They're certainly bringing the hammer and they're bringing the fire. And so this is going to be interesting to watch how all of this plays out. Again, SummerSlam happening in just a couple of weeks, actually a week from this coming Saturday. Remember, SummerSlam this year is on a Saturday and not a Sunday. And in a bit of irony, under normal circumstances, NXT TakeOver happens the day before a major pay-per-view. As of late, it's been happening in a way that's somewhat disconnected from major events with the exception of WrestleMania. This time around, NXT TakeOver will happen after SummerSlam, and it's going to happen, of course, at the Performance Center, aka the CWC, with the main event of Karrion Cross defending the NXT Championship against Samoa Joe. But speaking of NXT, NXT is in the news for a very interesting reason, and I think it's going to give us cause for pause and conversation. We'll talk about that right after this. It's going to be an absolutely stellar night with two big title matches and the most unpredictable show in all of independent wrestling. Come on, somebody stop this. Being the monster they thought they wanted. Amid all of the news for SmackDown, I got to tell you, when I was backstage at SHW this Friday, which, by the way, I can't wait for you guys to see SHW 30, the Rumble Jack. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. We're looking for it to be on IWTV at some point this week. And when it is, definitely go check it out. In the meantime, I would suggest if you don't have IWTV already, go ahead and subscribe to independentwrestling.tv. It's only $10 a month, but you get your first five days free if you use the SHW promo code. So go ahead, check it out at independentwrestling.tv. There's a mobile app. There's an app available, of course, uh, for your smart TV, etc., etc. And I think you will love what we're bringing from Southern Honor Wrestling, and it's an opportunity to hear uh, what we're doing on commentary as well, so definitely check it out, and shout out to all of those who are already subscribed, those who regularly check out IWTV and SHW, it is greatly appreciated. With that said, I'm backstage at SHW as the show is ending, and I get the news about a slew of releases on a Friday for NXT, which seems just very unusual. Usually when these cuts have happened, for one, they happen around the same time, and it's usually only once a year or so, but really the hammer has fallen quite a bit in the world of WWE. So in case you have not heard, over the weekend, WWE released Get This 13 
NXT stars, including Bobby Fish, who is a former tag champion and part of the Undisputed Era, Bronson Reed, who is the most recent NXT North American champion, and he lost that title to the current champion, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Jake Atlas, Ari Sterling, Kona Reeves, another former NXT North American champion in Leon Ruff, Stefan Smith, who is a referee there, Tyler Rust, who's in the middle of a push with the Diamond Mine, Zachariah Smith, Asher Hale, Giant Zangier, and Mercedes Martinez, who we know has had a pretty impressive run in NXT. And also added to that list is Desmond Troy, and apparently there's more to come. So let's put this in perspective. This year alone in WWE, there have been nearly 50 wrestlers released. And since last April as in April 2020, it's more than 100. So what's really happening here in NXT and in WWE? So many have been talking about the possibility that Vince McMahon could be preparing to sell. But according to WrestleNomics' Brandon Thurston, he revealed back in June that many WWE investors were not under the impression that McMahon is selling WWE. None of them think that's what's happening. So what really is happening? Well, first and foremost, there's some, I think, disturbing news about NXT. There is the thought right now that NXT has, quote unquote, lost the war against AEW. And many suspected that, of course, when NXT moved from Wednesday nights to Tuesday nights. Well, with that said, the ratings have been pretty much stagnant, right around 650 to 700,000 viewers, while AEW, especially since fans have been back, are crossing the million viewer mark on a weekly basis. From there, it could be argued that NXT hasn't been the same in the last year. One of the notes that PWI Insider has said is that there are apparently major changes coming for the NXT brand. Those changes include a new logo, new lighting, and a focus on younger talent, along with a different format to the show. And this house cleaning appears to be part of the changes for the black and yellow brand. So as we mentioned, viewership has been an issue and I want you to just to hear this because according to officials in the company, they realized, quote, the NXT brand has gotten stale and the look and feel of the show needed to change. WWE releasing these NXT superstars certainly feels like a way to make over the brand. But from a financial perspective, this is completely unnecessary. WWE remains incredibly profitable right now. And given the lucrative TV deals that they have for Raw and SmackDown and the network's move to Peacock, there's little cause for concern about the company's financial future. And I've talked about this extensively, that since 2019, WWE signed three separate deals, each worth one billion dollars a piece so they're not spending the kind of money that would put them in financial ruins after signing these deals so the real question comes why in the world are they making these cuts it doesn't seem to make much sense at all and when you put into context that in the last year and a half they have released 100 wrestlers 
first of all, I don't think many of us even realized that they had a hundred wrestlers underneath their umbrella. And that's because we seem to see the same ones on a regular basis on our television screens. A hundred wrestlers, if you can release a hundred wrestlers and still have a large number of wrestlers remaining, that says a lot. I'll throw my two cents and say this. I don't like this at all. I think this again is a scenario where Vince McMahon is drunk with power. Not only is he drunk with power, but he has no real understanding of what the wrestling business actually needs. There was a time that you could argue that Vince McMahon's hand was on the pulse of the industry, but I would dare say this. The greatest thing Vince McMahon did was be willing to see in the 80s that wrestling could move from a territory space to a national and perhaps even international space. Now, the way he went about it might have been questionable, but the reality of it is we did not see large events like WrestleMania. Well, we actually did, but they weren't on a national scale. We had, of course, Starcade, which started before WrestleMania. Then there were these major events that World Class would do in the Texas Stadium. But, you know, pulling a 40,000 seat crowd at that point was very significant. But in an 80,000 seat venue, Ah, it doesn't quite hit the same, right? But nobody had seen venues like that full until WrestleMania's and until Vince, again, did what he did at WrestleMania 3, filling up the Pontiac Silverdome with 93,000 fans. Suddenly, at that point, you realized wrestling could not be denied. And the way it was headed, it was just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The problem here, and many could argue that maybe the biggest problem is Vince winning the Monday Night War. Vince McMahon and the WWE became very, very hungry during the Attitude Era when their backs were against the wall. And they realized they have to do whatever they have to do to survive. They realized the answer was not necessarily signing older established stars, but was in building newer stars or stars that were not known that they could bring to the forefront that then made things attractive to them from former WCW superstars that were not at the top of that game, but should have been. So that's where we started seeing the influx of folks like Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show, and Eddie Guerrero, and Dean Malenko, and a name that many don't like to talk about, but even Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho. Many names started showing up who were underutilized in WCW that were able to find a home in WCW WWE and really became Hall of Fame worthy stars. That's what we began to see. The problem is after WWE won the Monday Night War, they had no real competition. And in there, the quest didn't just become let's put out an amazing product. The quest then became how much money can we make? And when you are your own competition, then really the thing that makes you great now sits in a back seat to things like capitalism. That's what we have. There's not really a caring about what's gonna be a great product. And I know some have said, well, it's a business, right? Well, part of the thing that makes a business work is having a great product to sell. And you have to ensure that the product is one that makes a lot of sense, that the product is one that we would wanna pay attention to. 
The product itself hasn't been the same. Wrestling went from wrestling to entertainment in the world of WWE, and WWE looked for all of these other ways to entertain. So if we're completely honest, NXT, which has been a wrestling brand over the last seven to eight years, could be an unattractive to WWE because it's wrestling. It's not entertainment. And so when you start hearing the reports that we're hearing about NXT, that WWE said they don't want to hire smaller guys anymore. They don't want, quote, midgets anymore. Some really horrible things. And I'd like to take it just with a grain of salt because some of these sources include Dave Meltzer. At the same time, what isn't a rumor are the 12 to 13 people that were released over the weekend. What's not a rumor is the nearly 100 that have been released from WWE. And I'll go so far as to say this. Where I used to be really upset about WWE making these releases, I feel a bit more relieved because there are other spaces for these wrestlers to apply their craft. However, and comma, there's not room for 100 wrestlers in AEW. There's not room for 100 wrestlers in New Japan or in Impact or in Ring of Honor or in any of the other independent organizations, which means that these wrestlers are not going to all land in the same place. They're going to have to land somewhere different. And there comes a point where if you're a larger company like AEW, where you realize we just can't hire everybody who's been released. Their pockets aren't unlimited. Their time isn't unlimited. Their stage isn't unlimited. Yes, they're adding a brand new show this Friday called Rampage, but it is an hour-long show with four commentators, which is interesting, and I may talk about that at another date. The point is, there are a limited amount of hours for AEW to be able to put you on their television. Two hours for Dynamite, one hour now for Rampage, and then there is Dark and Dark Elevation, which are really designed to showcase independent talents and serve as a space to allow enhancement talents to really showcase what they can do. So where is the space coming for this 100 plus wrestlers who have been released from WWE to apply their craft on a national basis? I don't know. And so this becomes very interesting. I do think that the wrestlers will be okay. I don't think they're all going to land in AEW. I think some of them are going to have to be good with landing in Impact. They're going to have to be good with landing in Ring of Honor or maybe even the NWA. Or the way that some of these organizations work, they allow you to do all of the above. So we may see some folks spend time in all three or four organizations. It's all very possible. Things are wide open, but what concerns me is the potential dilution of one of the best brands in pro wrestling, that being NXT. If they dilute this brand, which they have the power to do, this all becomes a very frightening conversation for pure wrestling fans. So I want to get your thoughts on these releases and the direction of NXT, or at least the proposed direction of NXT, and what this does to the product. So hit us up on the socials, at The Faction Show. And let us know your thoughts surrounding that. And of course, stay connected to what we're doing on the socials. We'll continue to have all sorts of news and updates for you there. And until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner, and collectively we're known as The Faction. Have a great day. Salute, my